Roethlisberger says something, he says it for a reason. When Ben Roethlisberger said that James Conner deserves playing time, Ben's obviously full of crap. You know who deserves playing time? The best guy. James Conner isn't the best guy. Lev Bell is the best guy. James Conner deserves to be a backup. That's all Conner's earned. But the reason Ben Roethlisberger said that Conner deserves playing time is to give Lev Bell a kick up the backside. That's Ben's way of letting Lev Bell know that the Steelers would be just fine with Connor. So, Lev, if you're thinking of missing the game, don't, because your spot would be filled just fine. Ben has to know that, uh, excuse me, Bell has to know that Ben's full of it because, well, in this case, Ben is full of it. Connor's a curtain jerker. Bell is an all-pro. But still, Bell has to respect that Ben said it, and the sooner he shows up, the better. So, that's the message Ben was sending. Whether Bell receives it, well, I kind of doubt. Bell marches to his own drummer. Like I've been saying, Bell showing up late and with one foot out the door, that will very likely be a toxic situation. Bell was only mediocre last year. He might be worse this year. Sick again. Brought to you by 84 Lumber. Helping to build the right way since 1956. Uh, people say that Bell knows he has to play well to get the maximum payday in free agency. I'm not sure Bell does know that. At any rate, I'm not sure it's true either. Uh, Bell is incredibly entitled. And to be honest, he's probably going to get the big payday, barring a cataclysmic knee injury or something like that. And that's no matter how he plays. Todd Gurley raised the bar for running backs, and all it takes is one team. But it's hilarious that anybody thinks the Steelers would be as good with Connor as they would with Bell. Even ProFootballTalk.com has inferred that Mike Florio, he said the Steelers could move on comfortably if they rescinded the franchise tag with Bell. Florio, of course, looking uh, at the difference in the price tag more than anything. But boy, I've said before, and I say again, we overrate James Conner. He's the pit kid, the cancer kid, the knee kid. A lot of labels apply to James Conner, but starting running back is not one of them. I'm already getting some tweets criticizing me for saying that uh, Bell had a mediocre year last year. Bell did have a mediocre year last year. He was a workhorse, and he had some great moments. He rebounded well after a slow start, and the slow start was because he showed up late. That's why. That's the reason. Is the good reason? I don't know, but it's on Bell. He's the one who opted to show up late, even though I don't blame him a bit for having done so. But if you look at Bell's per catch and per carry, his per catch and per carry last year were each the second lowest figures of his career. Bell just didn't have a great year last year. A good year? Yes. A great year? No. An interesting tweet from Adam about my notion that the highest paid guy at each position or in each sport is perceived to be the best guy. 
Adam tweets, Sid is by far the best player in hockey, and there's so many others that make more money than him. I still think Sid is the best player in hockey. I think the gaps close some. Not with many players, but certainly with a guy like Connor McDavid. Although if McDavid never has playoff success, uh, that will certainly weigh heavily against him. You know what the difference is, don't you? A.B. really wants to be the highest paid player in football. Rather, the highest paid receiver in football. And Sid doesn't care about that highest paid player in hockey stuff. We should know, too, that Sid makes more money, I'm sure, from endorsements than any other NHL player. I think so. I don't know so. I mean, Sid doesn't take on an overwhelming amount of endorsements, but I'm assuming that the ones he does take on, uh, Tim Hortons, that one bread company in Canada, etc., I assume those are all a very good payday. I was talking before, too, about those NHL network lists, the top 10 goalies, top 20 defensemen, wings, etc., etc. Uh, you know who the number one goalie is in the NHL's uh, top 10 list? Sergei Bobrovsky, the guy who always blows up in the friggin' playoffs. It is funny. We talk about playoff success, how it defines players in every sport, but then when it comes to a list like that, we crunch the numbers. So much stuff. People demand content. Like NHL.com has to have so much content, and they wind up posting some stuff that's just silly for the sake of getting something up there. I cited uh, last week there was a poll where they asked, who's better, Connor McDavid or Mario Lemieux? Well, right this second is Connor McDavid because Mario, of course, is in his 50s. Although I think the gap there is probably closer than McDavid fans would like to believe. But in terms of all-time performance and impact, it's at least a decade and some playoff success before you can reasonably even start to draw that comparison between Connor McDavid and Mario Lemieux. But you got to get stuff up there. you got to get clicks. The poll enables people to participate. But uh, the uh, demand for content is so overwhelming that, again, dumb stuff gets posted. I'm no, I'm, I'm no better than anybody. I do six blogs and two columns a week. If you think I'm proud of all of those, everything I write, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Here's one from Ben. The entire Pittsburgh media pardoned Bell last year for not coming to camp and made fun of any callers who suggest that missing camp would affect his performance. Are you walking it back now? I'm not walking anything back, idiot. We all knew the Bell would probably start slow because he missed camp, and he did. But I didn't pardon Bell for, per se. I just didn't blame Bell for doing it because he had every right to maximize what he was trying to get. And to do that by any means necessary. Because in football, because of the cap and the franchise tag and the option to not guarantee money, the owners have all the leverage. So whatever a player in football has to do to create leverage, I respect. In fact, I endorse it. 
and Lev Bell missing camp this year and last, I got no problem. I don't blame him at all. But yeah, it affected his performance last year. I think it'll affect his performance this year. But the big thing about this year is, the the difference this year is, not only is he showing up late, he already has one foot out the door. And that's what may well make the situation toxic. Okay, up next, my scheduled guest from the Pittsburgh Steelers, defensive end Stephon Tuitt. It's the Mark Madden Show on 105.9. And now, the super genius, Mark Madden. Hey, hi, Mark. Hi. First, I love your show. I just talked to David Lee Roth. He said, somebody get me a doctor. VX at 105.9. My guest right now is terrific in the Steelers' exhibition game against Tennessee this past Saturday, and he's looking for a big season after playing through injury for much of last year. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the show Steelers defensive end Stephon Tuitt. Uh, Stefan, thanks for joining me. Let's start with the obvious question. Are you 100% heading into the season? Because that would sure be a relief after last year. Yes, I am. And uh, thank you for having me on here too, Mark. But I am 100%. You tore your biceps in week one last season. You came back and played 12 games. But did you ever truly recover? A lot of time it looked like you were really pushing it. Yeah. Uh, recovering from an issue like that is more, you know, just doing what you got to do from week to week to keep the pain down and uh, do what you got to do to be able to shoot your arm. Um, you know, going through something like that, that was the first-time situation for me, but I had a lot of growth. Now, how'd that game feel Saturday against Tennessee? You got a pressure and then a sack in the game's first two plays. That's some pretty vintage stuff. Yes, that is. That's super exciting. And uh, the defense alignment, you always want to start off the game hot like that. And uh, to be in that for me to be in those shoes, it was really good for our team. Uh, we set the st- we set the tone early, and uh, I think uh, overall our defensive performance was uh, better after that. How do you judge your play in in preseason games, Stefan? I mean, it's only preseason. We hear that over and over again, but still, it was your first team against their first team at that point, and it looked like the bullets were flying. Yeah, well, Mark, preseason. You're right, but at the end of the day, you still put your pads on and get ready to play, and uh, that's what we did. And uh, you, 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 you preparing yourself for the season ahead. So you prepare yourself for being in game shape. You prepare yourself to do the moves you do. You prepare yourself for whatever position you're out there on that field doing to be better at for the season. Now you had a lot of your first string guys out there on D against Tennessee, including you and Cam Hayward. How different is it when you're both in there? When you have those bookends at the ends, it, it, they don't know who to double team. Uh, our offensive line don't know who to double team. Don't know who to go to. They're just making a guess of who to go to. The other person's going to make the play, and uh, that's the goal of uh, of us trying to be in uh, this upcoming season. How often do you get double teamed, and, and and what do you do to battle that? Well, double team is defensive alignment. You want to try to split it and uh, run or pass. Uh, the goal is especially when they're coming up at you, is to engage the person that you're on first, twerk his pass as the person is trying to apply pressure from the outside so you can stay in your gap and spaced out so you can make the tackle. Well, as a pass, you want to split it, and that's just with athleticism and using a lot of hands. You know, you know what I've noticed about the defensive end position in the time you and Cam have played? They've really changed the way you guys approach the position, haven't they? I remember back when the defensive ends just occupied blockers and didn't try to make plays. But obviously you guys have a lot more responsibility, don't you? Well, yes. Um, well, we just 
have a different athleticism from now and the game changed too also as well. Right. Um, just some of the things that the coaches ask us to do is because of our athleticism and the things that we are able to do to magnify that position. And uh, that's what we do when we come and put on our pads. How much has the game changed during your time in the league, Stefan? Uh, well, it only been five years. <laughs> so, well, yeah, but, but I'll be I honest, know. I watch pretty closely. A lot's changed in five years, hasn't it? I'll probably say a couple calls. To me personally, a couple calls. I I'll probably say a lot. I see a lot more running and a couple more uh, calls that the, uh, the referee have. Um, I think that's some, that's something that changed up a lot of the game. Well, now you haven't gotten a flag yet for leading with your head. I, I don't think. What's that new rule like for you? The adjustment. Are you hitting any different? How has that affected you? Well, you you, you just want to prepare. You know, you always sit literally practice hitting and practice hitting with your heads up and your arms wrapped around your person that you're taking down to the ground. But this one, in this case, you just don't know when they're going to throw the flag sometimes. So you just want to make sure you try to prepare for that for every hit that you do to keep that same rotation. Even though sometimes the tackle is going to happen how it happens, you just want to make sure you're on the good end of it. But but I'm going to guess you're pretty much tackling the same, correct? Yeah. Other than that, you go in the game not trying to spear your opponent, but things happen. Now, we've talked about you and Cam on the ends. How about the middle of that line? We knew about Hargrave. He's still doing great. And McCullers had a good camp, too, didn't he? Yes. What 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 has enabled him to kind of pick up his play a bit? Because I don't want to say he started his career off slow, but uh, I will say he's looked great this camp. Well, you're talking about for Daniel McCullers? Yes. Yes. Uh, Daniel McCullers, he's uh, five years in. He's actually the same draft class for me. Um, he's more experienced now. Um, he knows what they uh, what the team is demanding from him, and uh, he just got a different approach to his game when he comes onto the field. So um, he's putting it all together, um, doing everything with his end to try to be the best player he could be. And history will write itself after that. Now, how about Hargrave? Because I think he's a real good complement to the way you and Cam Hayward play. Yeah, Hargrave. You, you've seen Hargrave since he came here. Uh, very productive player. Um, out to the ground, um, very quick, elusive at that zero technique. He's a great player, and uh, it's, it's, he's only going to get better, too, as well. We're talking to Stephon Tewitt of the Steelers here on 105.9 The X. What I like most about that game against Tennessee, uh, Stephon, was never mind the sacks. Your pass rush just kept collapsing the pocket. That's the main job, right? Just keep the quarterback on the go. Yeah, you you're correct. We want to make sure we disturb the quarterback early and as often as we can. Um, are we going to get back there every time? No. But can we disrupt him by putting our hands up, getting close to him, by touching him, by getting him off his game, getting him off his rhythm? That's the goal. We get a quarterback off the goal, I'm like get get the quarterback off his mark, get him off his rhythm, and you tell him you, you, know, you have the game in your hand after that. When you play well, Stefan, you individually, what's going well? What makes you good when you're at the top of your game? I think um, for me personally, if I go into a game and like I did this past game against the Tennessee Titans, start off strong, do be the playmaker that I know I could be, I think overall our defensive performance will be strong and steady throughout the whole entire game. Well, staying with that, how can the defensive unit be better this year and will the defense be better? What has to happen? Um, well, for the defense to be better, and I think we are on our way, it's just in general, collectively, 
everybody and trusting each other, everybody believing that that person on the side of them is going to do their job before they help their brother out. And I think we got to a point now after breaking training camp and about to go into our last preseason game of the year before the season starts of entrusting each other, guys that have been here for a couple of years, being more comfortable with the plays that they know they need to make plays on and knowing that guys, other guys, their other teammates are supposed to make plays on these other plays. They're getting more comfortable with each other, just knowing just um, priorities, things that they need to focus on, and uh, understanding what your coach is asking from you. Um, a lot of guys is comfortable now in that situation to be able to be the playmakers that they could be. Now, what about the dollar defense, the dime, all that stuff? I get confused, Stefan. you got to straighten me out. Will Keith Butler use a lot of variations or do you think the Steelers will mostly keep it pretty basic on defense? Uh, you mean for throughout the season, or you mean for this game? No, no, throughout the season. Throughout the season, uh, we do. We always we have a lot of calls. We got a lot of calls for certain situations, and it just determines the opponent that we plan what package they're going to really give us, and what's their threat, and what's uh, a good defense for us to stop that threat. And that's just kind of how we roll. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys add more calls as the season goes on, correct? As the season go on, yes, we'll probably add a couple more calls. And, and that's great, right? Because it keeps you learning. You're always thinking all season. Yes, and you always got to focus. Always got to pay attention because we always got to have a new call in the week, um, the next week afterwards. Now, uh, I've been talking on the show. Sports Illustrated says the Steelers are going to make the Super Bowl. So does Colin Coward on Fox Sports One. What's your prediction for the Steelers this season? It seems like expectations are pretty high, which I guess is good. Mark, to be honest, I haven't even paid attention to none of that stuff. <laughs> no, I know you I really guys don't, but that, that's why I told you. Yeah, I have it. Um, I think for us, we already know we're a really good team. We know we actually are going to, become, we're going to become a great team. But the only way to become that is to focus on what we need to focus on day to day. And when you talk to, to some of the players that have done it and some of the players that have the rings on their hand, they all said they just focus on day to day, focus on what they need to pay attention to for that week and only that week accomplish that week, and then they move on to the next week, and they're ready for that opponent. And next, when we pick our heads up, when it's all said and done, hopefully it's us with confetti over us falling down. But until then, we're going to focus on week to week. Well, now maybe you'll make a prediction about this. Notre Dame's right number 12. How the Irish going to be? Oh, yeah, we're going to destroy this. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I, I knew you'd get involved in that. Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good team again this year, isn't it? Yes, they are. I think that would be a really good game to watch. I think both teams are ranked for top 25, and uh, uh, both have good offenses and defenses. So that would be a really good game to determine, you know, a strong kick off a strong season for both sides. You, you know, it's funny, Stefan, because sometimes I think Notre Dame should be in a conference like everybody else, but because they're not, their schedule is just so great. We see so many great games, don't we? Yeah, you do. You get a chance to play people all the way, like to USC, to Boston College, Miami. Michigan, you know, you play some of the greatest football teams in other divisions, and uh, um, I enjoyed that when I went to that school. And uh, when you, I feel like when you're in a conference, you get limited to playing the teams that you play, but and you get a couple more. But that's that's just one of the advantages Notre Dame has when they schedule their opponents. Well, Stefan, listen, thank you so much for taking the time. Great stuff as always, and uh, good luck in the final exhibition and in Week One. Thank you, appreciate it, Mark. That's Stefan too. It always great having him on. You know what's funny? The guys won't predict how their team will do now. Like, Steph didn't want to touch that Super Bowl prediction with the 10-foot pull, and I get it. He can't. But when you bring up the college team, yeah, we're going to kill Michigan. <laughs> that is great. That's cool to hear stuff like that.
Uh, so thanks to, to uh, Bert and everybody down at the Steelers office. Thanks to Stefan for joining me. Your reaction to the interview, dial 412-333-WXDX. Jeremy Fowler of ESPN tweeted something interesting about Le'Veon Bell. We'll get to that in a second on 105.9. Abby on the X. Going on a bit of a rant. Tomorrow morning from 6 to 10, 105.9. The X. That was great. Uh, the interview with Stefan Tewitt. Uh, very analytic and informative uh, the way he talks about his job. I, I love the description of what he does when he's double teamed, the, how the goals change when there are two guys on you. How you got to kind of let the play come to you and put yourself in that position. Good stuff. And again, thanks to Stefan for joining the show. Uh, I've been getting some feedback uh, on some of the things I said about Le'Veon Bell, including my notion that Le'Veon Bell didn't have a great season last year because he posted... Not career lows, but his yards per catch and yards per carry were the second worst of his career. And he only had three carries for 30 or more yards, so he wasn't a game-breaker. Now, he's great catching the ball out of the backfield. We could sit here all day and talk about what Lev Bell does well and would never run out of, of stuff to bring up. But last year, he wasn't as good as he usually is. He only averaged 3.9 yards per carry, and... A lot of people are making the excuse for him, well, he wasn't very good in the first three games because he showed up late. Well, A, those three games count too. They're part of the stats. And B, he showed up late of his own volition. Could have been there earlier, chose not to. And it's okay that he came late, but it was his decision to come late. Um, basically, the best thing Bell did last year was be a workhorse with the 409 touches, and as uh, Mike DeCourse of the Sporting News said, as part of this debate on Twitter, he quoted a former, the late and legendary UCLA basketball coach John Wooden, who said, never mistake activity for achievement. I agree with that. Never mistake activity for achievement. That's just good stuff. Now, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN just tweeted a quote from Randy Fickner, the Steelers' first-year offensive coordinator. Fowler said that uh, Fickner sounds pretty comfortable playing Le'Veon Bell in Week 1. Asked about potential need to scale him back, Fickner said, that's a hard question because that's Le'Veon Bell. There are things he can do that, quite frankly, most people can't do, unquote. I would not lessen Le'Veon Bell's workload even a little bit in week one. Uh, and, and that would include him showing up 15 minutes before the game and scribbling his name on the franchise tag and suiting up hurriedly. But I think Bell will be scaled back the first week no matter what Fickner said to Jeremy Fowler because, well, that'll be a Tomlin decision. Tomlin will scale back Bell's workload that first week because he believes in the process. And Bell will have joined the process late. And Connor's been involved with the process. And he will want to reward Connor for being involved with the process. That is so absurdly stupid and Little League, I can't describe. But uh, that's how Tomlin is. And I think that is what's going to happen. 
Uh, interesting news from the U.S. Open. If you recall, Serena Williams was told by the major tournament she can no longer wear her cat suits. And I think that's juvenile. She should be allowed to wear it. Dress codes are passe, especially in sports, especially in tennis, where they were once such a big deal. You used to have to wear all white at Wimbledon, every player, both male and female. But uh, Serena instead wore a tutu. She wore a skirt that looked like a tutu, all these flounces and ruffles. And, of course, she won her first-round match. That's a little silly and petty on Serena's part, but but I get it, and it's kind of cool. I like when Serena said the cat suit made her feel like a superhero. I'm like, Serena, you've won like a billion majors, more than anybody else. I, I don't think it's the cat suit. I think in tennis you really are a superhero. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Here's an email from Jeff about Lev Bell. Bell being on the team just causes so much consternation. Let me interrupt the email and ask you, Jeff, consternation for who? For you? Who cares about you? It doesn't bother the players at all. The players know Bell's just trying to get what's his, and the guys who are as good as him would do the same thing. Back to the tweet, Jeff says, the players will never admit it. The Roonies are willing to put up with Bell's crap because they believe only with Bell can they win the Super Bowl. I would have cut him long ago. He is not needed, and the Steelers will never win with him. Well, Jeff, if you would have cut him long ago, thank heavens you're not the Steelers' general manager. I don't think he'll be hired for the post anytime soon, or indeed for any such post in the National Football League. Uh, And of course the Roonies are willing to put up with Bell's crap because he's their best chance at winning a Super Bowl. Duh! What other reason would there be for keeping him? Now, when you say he's not needed, I think he's needed this year. I've said repeatedly, it wouldn't shock me if the Steelers were better next year without him, providing they prepare draft accordingly. If they go into next season with James Connors, the number one back, they will not be good. Nowhere near as good. If they draft a running back in the first two rounds, three at the latest, then I think next year's team has the potential to be just as good without Bell as with. Now, in terms of the Steelers never winning with Bell, that wouldn't shock me at all. And I've said that because you don't win with guys like that. I don't think you win with guys like A.B. either. I don't think you win with guys like Juju. They're guys who put themselves, ego, fun. They put so many things ahead of winning. I don't think you win with guys like that. As I said many times, until it's proving to me that having fun is an equally effective path to winning as focus and hard work, I'm going to go with focus and hard work. Securing the knowledge, it will never be proven otherwise. Uh, by the way, I, I earlier today I retweeted. Juju tweeted a uh, photo of him running in front of a banner. I assume it's at the practice uh, site on the south side, but I don't know for sure. And the banner commemorated the lives of Steelers founder Art Rooney and his son, the late Dan Rooney, who passed away uh, in, in the relatively recent past. And uh, and I retweeted with the uh, caption, Art's cigar was lit. 
You know, because Juju always says he's the most lit player in the NFL. And Art Rooney, the chief, he smokes cigars. I thought it was funny. People yelling at me, bitching at me, blah, blah, blah. And the one I like is, listen to the old man telling people to get off his lawn. Yo, millennials, if you ever show up on my lawn, I won't yell at you to get off it. I will eject you forcibly from the premises. And it'll be easy because when it comes to millennials, there's only one word to describe you, and I'm going to spell it out for you. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. And if you think otherwise, you just try me, kids. You just try me. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Let's go to Mark and Irwin. Mark, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Um, I agree with you. This season is different. He's got one foot out the door, and I have some concerns. Obviously, he's going to sign the franchise tag at some point. But when he comes in, I mean, I don't think it impacts his money next year if the Steelers make the playoffs. The less games he plays, well, I think his performance him. could impact his money. Uh, but I, I don't think I don't think performance is going to impact it that much. Uh, I think he's going to get a, a huge deal, even if he has a subpar year. Because I just think the girly raised the bar, and there's a lot of faith in Bell's ability out there. Even if he does have a bad year, I think he's going to get the big cash no matter how he performs. The only thing that might prevent that would be a really bad knee injury or you know something like that. Well, how do you think his blitz pickup will be? And again, I think it's to his benefit that they not make the playoffs. He's going to get his money, less wear and tear on his body. As long yeah, as but I, I don't. I don't think he'll tank to not make the playoffs. I don't think he'll. He'll he'll whiff on blitz covers to protect his body. I do think he may ask for a lower workload, or at the very least, bitch if the workload's as big as it was last year. Well, and I wonder what Ben will say the first time he misses a block on a blitz pickup. I wonder what Bell will say if Ben says something. That'll be interesting. I'd love to be in the huddle. Like I said, one foot out the door, and that makes it toxic. Last year when Bell came late... He still had hopes of getting a long-term deal done. He still had hopes of being a Steeler beyond 2018. Now he knows that after this year, it's over. Like I keep saying, one foot out the door. Let's talk to Steve in Mount Lebanon. Steve, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, what about A.B. and Bell's play on the field makes you think that they, they would not be helpful to contributing to win a Super Bowl? or not being able to win with guys like that. Because they haven't won with them. But, but there's I, don't no think, I don't think winning is the primary purpose of either player. I don't think winning is the primary purpose of Juju Smith-Schuster. I think they're selfish. I think they're about their stats, their money, and their brand. But on the field, what have you seen that makes this team not as good? Well, they haven't won a Super Bowl. That is my argument for not winning a Super Bowl with those guys, that they've been together, I think this is the fifth year, haven't won a Super Bowl, haven't been to a Super Bowl. The one time they were in the AFC Championship game, they got killed by New England. Now you could say that Ben, Bell, and Brown have often been injured and haven't been on the field in the playoffs together. The world doesn't want to hear about the labor pains. The world only wants to see the baby. Still there? Nope. 
Let's go to Paulie on the south side. Paulie, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I do think this season does have a different ring to it. Um, but, you know, they're going to need more consistent production out of Jake Gensel, and I think they're going to need something out of Daniel Sprong, too. Okay, you called and said you wanted to talk about Lev Bell. We're not talking about hockey right now. Anything else? Well, we're not talking about the Penguins today. Anything else? Jeff, the moron from Southside, doesn't get to dictate what the show's about. Mark, the super genius, making more money in a day than you do in a month. That's who gets to dictate what the show's about. We'll talk about the Penguins plenty when the time comes. Nobody talks about the Penguins more than I do. We're not even a camp yet. And I'm sorry, if you don't think these issues with, with, with Bell are going to manifest themselves and become a major point of conversation, you out your mind. You out your mind. 412-333-9939. It's the Mark Madden Show, 105.9X. Here's a stat I did not realize, and it really, uh, really is something the Steelers have to improve on. I think we were all aware the Steelers were terrible uh, not terrible, but disappointing last year with red zone offense. Only 18th in the league. I did not realize that the Steelers were second worst in the NFL in red zone defense, allowing the other team to convert. Can this possibly be right? 65.9% of the time. That's touchdowns only. In other words, two-thirds of the time the offense got in the red zone, it scored a touchdown. The only proper response to that is, yikes. This segment brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Uh, a, a couple people ask me why I get so salty sometimes on the show. And, and I agree, it has been more so lately than, than usual. Well, you know why? I used to really enjoy this. I used to think I would do radio till I died, and I, I thought that as recently as a couple months ago. But now with the climate in our country and the get-somebody mentality that pervades the United States, we're a nation of stooges and tattletales. Now when I do this job, I always feel like I'm looking over my own shoulder for the sake of not upsetting the wrong person. And then there's social media which has become just out-and-out viciousness, especially as people refer to me. So now I find myself having escape fantasies. What would I do if I didn't do radio? Do I have enough money to retire? How great it would be to not have to deal with it. I love the radio part. I love the talking. I love interviews with guys like Tuit, some of the media people I work with. I hate the interaction with the listeners and the callers, and especially with Twitter. I just don't respect such a high percentage of the audience, especially those who participate on social media or call the show. And I get called horrible names. I get accused of horrible things. And I can't fight back like I'd like because, A, what would be the point? And, B, if I went too far... Like so many people go so far, I'd get fired, not them. So to work in the media now, especially talk radio, you have to be a punching bag.
to some extent. And it really sucks. I know you don't care. You told me to shut up and stick to sports. And uh, more often than not, I do. But one thing I want to make real clear, and I've said this since day one on radio 23 years ago, I don't care if you listen or not. That's what I've always thought makes this show good. I don't care if you listen, and I think you can tell. Those people who say, like on the B team, thank you so much for listening. We couldn't do this without you. You should hear how they talk about you when they're not on mic. They feel the same way I do. They just don't have the balls to admit it to your face or on the radio, as the case may be. We're going to talk about Josh Harrison in just a, a little bit. He apparently has cleared waivers and now could be traded, but, but who the heck would want him? Uh, let's go to Joe and Moon. Joe, you're on the Mark Madden Show. Hi, Mark. What up? Uh, so I heard the red zone numbers, and um, you know, I've, you're the second person I heard talk about this. And, and, look, I think it's a big deal, and I'd like to see it get better. I think the defense is more alarming than the offensive numbers, but they still were a 13-3 and ball club last year that – they put up 42 against the Jaguars in the playoffs. Yeah, and a lot, a lot 45 to the Jaguars in the playoffs and went went 0-1 in those playoffs. And I, I'm tired of hearing 13-3, Joe. 13-3 didn't matter. If anything, 13-3 made the end ultimately more embarrassing. Don't you agree? Well, I do agree with that. I think what's more embarrassing than anything is you have a, um, a, a head coach that prides himself on defensive numbers. That's what's alarming to me. Well, yeah, but they've also assembled a team that's put most of the talent and most of the payroll on the offensive side of the ball. I think Haley being gone, hopefully, hopefully, will um, will help help those. Oh, I think out. I think it will too. But but let's not forget, let's not forget, they won five games last year by three points or less. Boswell won what, like three out of four games at one point with with uh, last possession field goals. It was a fine line between 13 and 3, 10 and 6, maybe even 8 and 8. And unless you fix the problems that made it such a fine line, you don't know if you'll get the same benefit of all those dots again this year. You you got to give yourself more breathing room. I, I I'll give you an example. Can you see them winning 5 games by 3 points or less again this year? Do you think that's a a possibility, a probability? Well, it's always a possibility, but no, probability, no. No, it's probably not. When you have a kicker like Boswell, though, it is a possibility. But what um, if what if he's not put in that position this year? Hello? Hello? I'm done with you. Yeah, I, I mean, you can't cite 13-3 and when ultimately all it meant was 0-1 in the playoffs. And you can't ignore those red zone numbers when, if they're that bad this year, Chances are they won't be 13 and 3. 